2: Log
1: Talk Radio For all the news you need to know Welcome to the Beautiful Butterfly Show Where great people and great topics Are brought together for stimulating And thought-provoking conversation Brought to you by the Vibration Radio Network
3: Welcome, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. want to say happy Thursday to you guys out there. Hope this week has been treating you well. And guys, I can't tell you, I, I can't wait for the weekend. I'm telling you. <laughs> b Fly has been fluttering her wings like crazy this week, and I just can't wait to unwind and relax this weekend. But nevertheless, we got to keep pushing to the end, you guys, and of course, as you guys know, the beautiful Butterfly Radio Show is brought to you by YRN 1328, feel so into a show where you're able to be listening uh, to a format that's being broadcast globally, you guys, and of course, this evening, uh, we have a good friend of the show, she's been on here uh once before uh we have author Linda D Watley she's coming on this evening and, and last time um uh, we talked about uh her book uh which dealt with uh PTSD um, that a lot of our uh, vets and those who were in the military uh, have dealt with. and um, But this time around, she is back, and she, we're talking about her latest book entitled Charge of an Angel, you guys. And uh, Linda D. Wally um, is a proud veteran of the United States Army, uh, born in Akron, Ohio, and uh, while attending the University um, of Akron, she learned uh, during a writing course. She had the gift of writing, and so For over 12 years, uh, she had her own religious and philosophical column in the Frost Illustrated newspaper in Fort Wayne, Indiana, entitled The Best Will Show Themselves, you guys. And so um, now uh, she is back. um, And as I said before, she had the book entitled uh, Soldier with a Backpack, uh, Living and Dying Simultaneously. And so this time, you guys, she is back, and we're talking about her book entitled Charge of an angel, you guys, and so what we're gonna do is you don't know, gotta pay those bills to get things started. So we're gonna go to a little commercial, but we're gonna come back and we're gonna welcome the lady of the hour, Linda D. Watley, you guys, right here on the Beautiful Butterfly
2: Show. Check out the creative work of the author Trent Williams of www.taylorkennedymedia.com chapter of the delta gives us a peek at his life changing events and if that's not enough trent tells you more about his brothers and his life through memoirs in his book the four horsemen his blogs and daily stimulating quotes are published in his book life's little addiction and when you have a need of some human coaching of life and relationships take a look at conversations with trent volume one and two and conversations with trent limited edition you will find his works available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all online book retailers.
3: And welcome back, everyone, to the beautiful Butterfly Radio Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. And as stated before, uh, we are welcoming our special guest, Linda D. Watley, you guys. And make sure that you share the show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those great places. And let everybody know that Linda D. Watley is on tonight, you guys. And if you're out there, anytime you have a question or a comment, or you just want to listen. I know some folks like to listen on their drive home. Make sure you do it hands-free, uh, you guys. But sure, be sure to call in the number 347 3, 3, you guys. So we're not going to delay any further. You guys are going to bring our special guest on here. Linda, you there? Yes, I am. Welcome. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show.
3: Absolutely, absolutely, definitely a pleasure to have you back, and I think the last time we spoke, you, uh, like I said, we were discussing your book, uh, Soldier with a Backpack, Living and Dying Simultaneously, which was a awesome, awesome read, and uh, I'm glad to have you back on here, and uh, I know I said a few things about yourself, but for the folks out there who may not know who you are, or this may be their first time hearing you, uh, tell them a little bit about yourself.
0: Um, I li- Like you said, I live in Akron, Ohio. I'm a grandmother. I'm widowed. But I enjoy my life even as a single person because the opportunity to be an author is just such a great blessing and it's so empowering to know that you have a message and you can put it on paper and you can verbally talk about it. So I enjoy my life. I enjoy my family. And like I say, when my work can make a difference in other people's lives, that's just a tremendous rewarding opportunity. And so, like, every day I'm just excited about just sharing my message because where I am an author, I feel more of a messenger.
2: Awesome,
3: awesome, awesome. And, of course, uh, with – Um, The last time that you came on, uh, we dealt with the issue um, of post-traumatic stress disorder. And so this time around, we're doing something a little different. And uh, tonight we're talking about your book, A Charge of an Angel. And this actually comes uh, from a series that you're uh, beginning. Um, Let's see, the Love and Redemption series. So tell everybody what... um, The Love and Redemption series is all about.
0: I really love this series, and I feel like it's a gift from God because, you know, I am the voice that will speak for people who won't listen to people that need to be heard and people don't realize they need to be heard. And in this series, it's like so phenomenal of an opportunity for me. I'm just excited about it because the first book prepares you for the journey of life you know, it begins with children and their mentalities and their spirituality and their perceptions on life. And, you know, it's like a lot of people don't want to talk about the things I write. And one of the main things that I'm writing about through this series is how children do not have choices when they have parents that are telling them what's real in life. And so, like, Leona, Tillard, and Sarah, these are two main characters. They're Mm -hmm. talking about their journey and their journey begins with someone introducing sex in their life before wow. they should even be considering the possibility of having sex. And so, right. you know, the psychic behind it, the spirituality behind it, what I'm doing is revealing how people don't realize your sexual and spiritual experience intertwined. Absolutely. And if it is, like, Absolutely. defected from the beginning, your journey is going to be very, very sufferous, I'll call it. That's my word. And it's going to be mm-hmm. really revealing. It's going to put you in a place that other people who haven't had to experience goes. And so what I'd like to do is show them that, you know, you can go through this and come out on top. By the time you finish the series, you'll see that these young girls, who began being molested. That's basically what it mm-hmm. is. They end up mm-hmm. being, I mean, divine children of God in the most awesome way. But to get there, I want people who had yeah. been sexually abused to know that that's just the beginning of your life. Cause usually it happens mm-hmm. at a young age. That's just the beginning.
1: And Absolutely. I want to share with the world. Absolutely. It's
0: like it's not a sob story. It's a victorious story. It's a, enlightening story it's an opportunity for you to understand a female even a guy who has been abused and how you can grow from them and they can grow from you and so it's really really interesting because it deals with domestic violence it deals with interracial relationships it deals with sibling rivalries it just deals with so many different things it deals with people wondering when they are suffering or any form of injustice where was god Hmm. And what for you, what made
3: you want to shed light um, on this topic? Because a lot of times when it comes, and and we've seen, um, especially uh, over the years lately, uh, we've had more and more people come out publicly about you know, being molested as a child. You know, we've seen a lot of uh, even celebrities even in the midst of, uh, you know, different allegations and situations that have taken place. Um, And a lot of people have chosen to become more vocal um, about uh, those things that may have happened to them. And so what in particular made you want to shed light on this and show that, as you said, you know, that positive, that great outcome that is possible at the end of the journey?
0: One of the things that struck me about eight years ago, and it really kind of broke my heart, was how people didn't really deal with this experience that children are going through. It wasn't until celebrities used it to their advantage or, you know, whatever reason they may have to tell the story. Like I remember Oprah was one. T.D. Jakes came out, Woman Thou Art Loose. And as I was watching their take on it, I was like, are you serious? (laughs) <laughs> because there's so much more to this than how they portrayed right? it. And I was really yes. hurt by it. I said, how is anybody going to be healed if this is the take that people are going to have on it? And the thing that hurts okay. me today is how if you're not a celebrity and you don't mm-hmm. isolate on a situation that humans suffer through, especially children, then it don't exist. It's almost like people had kicked it to the side. And so... Like, for me, what really motivated me to write this series is my journey because I was molested beginning at the age of three. But right. at the time, for so many years, you don't realize this is what has happened to you.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so you're just experiencing awkwardness so long. You're feeling alienated. You're feeling disturbed. You don't know what's, excuse me, what's normal. Right. And so as God started, you know, dealing with me and talking to me, he gave me a message and he said, you know, a lot of you need help, but a lot of you are not going to go to a psychologist, but a lot of right. you don't mind being entertained. And so he said, well, through mm. your work, I will talk to them. If you will open yourself up and let me through, I will talk to them, and they will begin their healing process. And so I was more than willing to tell my story. Through the characters, I not only told my story, I told other people's story who shared their journey with me. So through characters, it could be more than one person's experience that I reveal and how their psyche dealt with it, how their spirit and their soul dealt with it. So my encouragement to write this was because I knew God wanted to help his little ones.
2: Right.
3: Absolutely. And for you, because I've heard often times that uh, people uh, make the statement that you made about, you know, when you were molested beginning at the, at such a young age, and a lot of people didn't realize until they got older that, you know, this that's what it was or, you know, that the, whatever's taking place was abnormal. And so for you, at what age did you discover, like, this, this is not appropriate and, and this is not what is supposed to be happening to me?
0: Oh, it was a moment that I still have flashbacks today. It was during a time when I was a teenager. You know how you start dating boys Mm -hmm. and, you know, they put their hands on you and they kiss Mm -hmm. you and different things like that. So what happened to me, like one day, because I had ended up finally back with my mom because she'd never know until I was adult that this had taken place because we were taken from her. And so mm. it was visitation day to my dad's house and I was down the basement. I was listening to music. I was feeling pretty safe and okay. Wasn't thinking about anything because some time had went by and anything of this experience hadn't taken place. And so my father, he comes into the basement and he come up on me and he was touching me in a way that reminds me of when i went with my boyfriend, you know, mm. and I was like, oh my God, this, this is not right. This shouldn't be happening. And so as he was embracing my breast, I, I, I cringed, and tears started rolling down my eyes, and he saw my reaction to his touch. You would have thought that I had taken something of value from him because he looked so hurt because I was rejecting him. He looked mm. at me, and he told me he would never touch me again. And to, to mark that experience, do you know that very night, he was shot in the back and paralyzed from the waist down. Wow. And,
3: and you know, the thing about it is that oftentimes people, you know, their reaction to us sharing um, those stories and those things that happened to us um, often take us back because it's always that question of you wonder why didn't anybody notice, you know, things taking place and why didn't everybody know things being different with their child. And so, you know, for you, uh, what would be your advice to those parents out here about just noticing the, the body language of your children? Because I, you know, even things with with my child or, or my nephews, different little things that are different, um, through their body language, I notice like, okay, you must be having a bad day or you're not feeling well. And so how important is it for parents to keep up
2: you know,
0: what what's going on with the children. And see, that's a beautiful question. It's not just a serious question. It's a beautiful question yeah. because that is a concern. My concern is about children today. Right. It's like people, yes. do not, people do not understand how important it is that you know your mm. child. I mean, from Absolutely. the time he come out your womb, he or her come out your womb, you have to know your child because if you don't know your child, you do not know when something is out of the norm. People are so busy providing the materialistic aspect of life to them that they don't even realize when something has shifted in their children, you know, because a lot of times it's in the eyes because a lot of times I can see that something is wrong with people's children. I don't even have to know them because it's a familiar, familiar presence in them. You know, like spirit bears witness of the spirit, you can tell it. You know, like I always made sure that I was conscious of my children. And I always told them it was important that they knew who they were. And it was important that I knew who they were. And so it was a constant communication and awareness. And, you know, when you do that, God will also show you some times and different situations where he might tune in here. And a lot of times these little signals be there, but people are so busy and so tired that they miss it. And one of my greatest concerns, because this happened in a step-family situation is, and it's so common today, I hate to say this, it doesn't apply to everyone, but a lot of times that new boyfriend or that man that's not the father of your child is not really interested in you. Absolutely. This is so common and it's so scary. You know, people get comfortable because their needs are met. But they get away from what that child actually needs, and they need their mother. Mm -hmm. They don't need somebody to walk in the shoes of their father. They need for that mother to be conscious of them and their needs. And so it's important Mm -hmm. that you know your children, that you embrace your children, that you notice how they respond around people, how they feel at school. You know, are they excited about life? Because one of the things that go with molestation, they're not excited children. They don't have no anxious desire to accomplish anything. They just want to be, you know, left alone Mm -hmm. and quiet and withdrawn because they can't explain it to you.
3: Absolutely. And one of the things I want to do is I want to take a break. When I want to come back, I want to go back to what you were talking about as far as what happens when you, you know, try to form those relationships um, uh, with someone and how, you know, having to deal with something 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 such as molestation can really affect um, the nature of trying to have um, somewhat of a, a normal relationship uh, with a significant other. So we're going to come back with more, of you guys, right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. Hey, everyone. It's me, Lisa, from the Conversations with Trent Show, featuring, you guessed it, me. Be sure to tune in Friday nights, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, as we strive to guide you to greater authentic living, right here on your radio networks, YRN 1328. And welcome back, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly, and we are joined this evening, you guys, by Linda Wadley, and we're discussing her book entitled Charge of an Angel. And, Linda, before the break, uh, one of the questions I posed was, how does one who has experienced and endured molestation go about trying to have a somewhat normal relationship. Because sometimes as you said, when it comes to the part of someone wanting to actually get physical with you and not just sexually, you know, maybe holding your hand or or kissing you or hugging you, there's a lot of reservations and fear even. And so do you think how do I guess my question would be, how does the other person, the significant per the significant other go about trying to have a relationship with someone who has dealt with molestation and also be very sympathetic, you know, to what they have experienced.
0: There you go again with another excellent question. (laughs) Uh, I just love it. One of the things I like to say, once you've been molested, no matter who it is, because, you know, sometimes it's people that you're supposed to trust, like, even in a spiritual level, like a minister or a school teacher, or a parent, a friend, even a sibling. One of the things that happen is what people don't realize is they have some degree of PTSD. And what my point is for mentioning that is there's certain designators that go off when a person is involved in their life. Their reaction to a person, this person could be totally innocent. They haven't done anything wrong to them. But something about the way they may have smelled, the way they have embraced them or looked at them can cause something to trigger something that they're not even aware of that has affected them from the molestation. So oftentimes they have difficulty in relationships because they're responding to something that they're not even aware of. It's not the person. So the relationship becomes very difficult. Now, from that angle, that's how molestation affects people. But from another angle, what happens, too, is it's like PTSD. It's like the real world. They're so out of touch with it. They're trying their best to appear like they're in touch with it, but they're so far out of touch with it because there's so many loose ends inside of them that haven't been connected to make them a whole person. So they spend Mm -hmm. days just trying to function as a normal person. So they mimic life. So they don't really have their identity. Like for me, one of the things that I didn't realize that I had done was I wasn't conscious of my physical self. Even though I was here, Mm -hmm. you would think that I was aware of my body. I covered it. I dressed it. But when it came to giving it away, I didn't realize mm. I was giving it away. I mean, I gave it up just because someone had an interest in me. It was like I was supposed yeah. to because yeah. I didn't have an option before. So normally when somebody wants something from me, you give it to them because they're not right. concerned about my feelings. Right, so right. A lot of times, unless the victims just give themselves away. It, and they feel and like to the
3: I was going to say that that a lot of times, and sometimes it's hard for people to understand that people who have dealt with molestation go through a very, very, what they call, you know, promiscuity time period where they, you know, are active with a lot of people. And people see it, well, and sometimes people don't understand, well, why is it if you've been molested, why is this the outcome? But like you said, for some people when they have, had no choice or, you know, they was told, give it to me, they, you know, they were supposed to give it. So the mentality um, of someone who has been molested is very different. And a lot of people can't understand, you know, why they show signs of certain things after it has happened to them.
0: And that's the sad part because one of the things that I had to deal with was who would I have been if this had not happened to me? You know, like, my self-esteem was just so low. I didn't even imagine that I could have a really good, intelligent, pure, God-fearing man because I didn't feel like I was clean enough. Right. And so if right. somebody had an interest in me, I was like, wow, this, he, he wants me. You know, so, mm-hmm. so
1: that was just mm-hmm. enough.
0: It didn't even matter what I got in return because no one ever cared about what I needed or what I wanted. So mm. I didn't expect for anybody to ever feel that way.
3: Absolutely. And, you know,
0: actually Absolutely. it wasn't until I met my husband that I realized I was in deep trouble. And it was like he just came out and told me one day, he said, why do you have to be high just for us to enjoy each other? Hmm. And I didn't wow. realize I was doing that. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, because I didn't mm-hmm, know how mm-hmm. to be without being stimulated to have fun, enjoying happiness, because I didn't right. know how to enjoy intimacy without mm-hmm. it, because I never enjoyed intimacy, but it was something I needed because I had it too early and in the wrong way. And so once mm-hmm. I saw that even he realized I had a problem, but he just kept drawing closer to me and he was patient with me, I was able to finally begin to process that I was really messed up as a person. And I couldn't understand how could this person see me better than I could see myself. I had no idea of so many things that he shared with me because I was like somewhat like a zombie. I was just mimicking life. But as he loved me, he loved me to life. You know, he showed me the difference of having a sick love and a real love because, you know, mm. I really felt like it was my father. I felt that he really loved me and I was special to him and he couldn't help wow. it that he loved me so much because that's what he told mm. me because I asked him. Wow. He said that wow. if we was in a different part of the world, this would be acceptable behavior. Mm. Wow. She didn't really feel like it was wrong. And so how do you come to realize how wrong it was? You know, it wasn't until someone loved me to awaken this that I began to realize that it was something different for me to feel about myself because I didn't have no value. But I cared about people. I cared about them being okay. I cared about them being fulfilled, but for myself, I never looked for it. I didn't know how. I didn't even know what to expect of that. Okay.
3: And the thing about it is that I believe that it takes a special individual to deal um, and help someone who has experienced uh being molested because like you said there are moments where you're gonna have those great days and then there are moments where if you that person is trying to show you, you know, some type of compassion or if 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 um you know, romance or whatnot is involved, sometimes people also have those flashbacks. So it's certain triggers, I would say, triggers that take place with people that kind of set them back, you know, maybe the way you touch them. And so I know a lot of people may be like, man, it's it's a lot to it, but you have to realize what the person has experienced. So maybe a certain way you touch them or a tone you use may trigger something into them and takes them back, you know, to that time period of things that they have experienced. And I think that people, when you go into dating uh, anyone, male or female, who ha- who has experiences. You have to be, uh, you know, show some empathy and sympathy uh, towards someone who has dealt with this because they're going to be some days where there are going to be some challenges because, you know, and and it's funny because I had this conversation um, just yesterday about how a lot of times we are conditioned, and like you said, you were conditioned by your father to say, well, these things are to show you that I love you and I care about you, And, and those things weren't right, you know, they were inappropriate, you know, and so the thing about it is that we have to deprogram ourselves, so to speak, of the things that we've experienced so that we can walk into something loving and healthy and nurturing for us.
0: Exactly. And the thing about it is it really goes with life journey, period. You have to come to the realization that you have to be conscious of yourself and your choices. And one of the things that I began to learn that I wish I had learned sooner was I tell everybody, because a lot of wisdom is gained from suffering anyway, and one of the things that I had come to learn was I was the first child that I ever had. No matter what I was to my parents, I was actually my first child. I had to go back and get that little girl, and I had to let her know that we was going to move forward and I had to protect Mm. her because I hadn't protected her because I had left her to fend for herself, and I didn't realize I had done this. And so I went through a very spiritual journey of realizing she deserves so much. She deserves the best of me, just like I learned that from having my own children, how to love, how to recognize love, how to give and receive love was because of my children. And so I was able to come back to myself and pick up my whole self mentally, spiritually, physically and soulfully. I I was able to pick that child up and we have been together ever since and choices that I make, especially in relationships, I won't settle for anything but what's best for this child that I'm responsible for. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. And going back, and thinking about what you have ex- experienced and what you um, endured, would you have spoke out it about it more sooner uh, than you had? Do you wish you would have talked about it or told someone, um, you know, much sooner than you originally had? Would
0: I have said something sooner? First of all, you know the thing about it is I didn't realize something was wrong with this picture because you got to think right. about this went into years in a household of children. It was a step family situation. It was a family merger, and in the midst of all these children and two adults, this was a daily routine, mm-hmm. and it was like it was another sibling from the step family involved, we never discussed it among ourselves. We just made ourselves available accordingly like it was part of the script of the family existence. So it wasn't like, wow, I should tell somebody this. Nobody never said don't say anything. It's just something Mm. about the experience. You don't talk about it. And see, before I even had arrived in this family situation, I had already experienced it by myself. Mm. And so it was like a love relationship. It was, this is what I do, because I was the only girl. It was three boys, and I was the only girl. So I felt like this was my responsibility. My mother was gone. So it was no longer her responsibility, so it must be my responsibility because I was the only other female Mm. in the home. So it just seemed so normal. So it wasn't like, wow, I should tell someone. So it was just never something that I questioned as far as, you know, what should I do with this information because you trust this person. Right. You don't even question your parents. You just do as you're told. That's what we was taught during the time when I was coming up. Do as you're told. You don't ask any questions. Whatever right. they sit on the table, right. you eat it. You don't say you don't like it. You just eat it. So it was like you just did what you were supposed to do as it was given to you. Like I said, mean, it wasn't right. until I started having a boyfriend that it really kicked in that this is not the way I'm supposed to live. Right, right. Because to say sex, even though it was sex, you don't really as a child realize that this is sex, sex. Right, <laughs> right. It's like, it's right, like, grown like, folks. Grown folks. Yeah. Grown folks. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't, <laughs> yeah. Con, you don't yeah. connect to that. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's something that yeah. we do because this is love. That's basically right. what's love. Right. Somebody wanted you and, you know. Linda, do you think that someone
3: um, who has dealt with being molested often grows up? And I know for you, you talked about, you know, throughout your teen, you know, when you uh, met a guy, you know, at your teenage years. But even into your adulthood and uh, up to meeting your husband, did you have to redefine what love is and was for? for you because you already had you know in your mind as we talked about what you thought love was um from what took place and later on you discovered that it wasn't so did you find yourself really having to rediscover what love really was um before you got married
0: definitely it was one of those things mm. like I didn't know how to receive receive love. I didn't realize mm. that somebody actually loved me when it was yeah. normal. Right. So I was just feeling like, okay, whatever you want.
1: Right. It wasn't like right. I
0: was really being loved. That's That was why it was such a lonely journey because I didn't get the love thing until I actually, like I said, my husband was starting to give me an understanding of it. But when I had my children, it really kicked in the purity right. of it, the power of it, the beauty of it. It wasn't until that aspect of my life. So I had lived a long time not really thinking about love and somebody loving me because I was just a provider. Right. I wasn't much of receiving as far as something that made me a better person. Mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. you know, love tends to make you a better person. I wasn't receiving anything from people that made me a better person because I didn't know that something was missing. All I did was provide and whatever it took to keep silence and a smile on somebody's face, to me, that was just what life was about. But as far as myself, I had to have a drink or I had to smoke marijuana to laugh and, you know, to just enjoy life. So when I wasn't doing that, I was just there. Right. So, yes, I had to learn what love was, and it was receiving love that I start feeling like something was melting inside of me because I was like getting fragmented. It was like, what's the matter? Why am I having a problem with this? What is right. this, you know? Right. And then right. I start feeling more better as a person, but it took me long into my adult years before that happened. Great. Absolutely.
3: And and what I want to do is I want to take a break, but when I come back, I want to talk about forgiveness and how oftentimes uh, people choose to. Some people don't throughout these situations. But we're going to talk about your experience uh, with uh, the power of forgiveness. And so we're going to come back, you guys, with more. Linda D. Watley, you guys, author of Charge of an Angel, right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. And welcome back, everyone, to the beautiful Butterfly Radio Show. And if you are just tuning in, no worries. You still have time to listen to this awesome interview, you guys. We are on tonight with author of Charge of an Angel, Linda D. Watley, you guys. And before the commercial break, music break, I talked, uh, I put out the question about the power of forgiveness. And oftentimes uh, when we have experienced um serious tragedy um, throughout our life. Uh, We go through that process of do we forgive or or do we not forgive and all of those uh, different things that we weigh out in our minds. And so, Linda, for you, when was that moment that you decided, this happened to me, it affected my life, but now it's time for me to forgive and to move forward.
0: I would say for me, one of the things that I would like to say is I never felt like I was angry or disappointed with my mm-hmm. father. Right. Because I didn't know how to do that to react to that. The greatest thing that I had to mm-hmm. forgive was myself. Mm. And the way I was able to forgive myself was realizing, as I had mentioned, that little girl didn't deserve for me to stay in a lower energy level of negativity. She right. deserved the best life vibrations that I could offer her, you know, to strengthen her, encourage her. She didn't deserve to be stuck in the past. And so it's like mm-hmm. through protecting her from my worst self, I was able to come up with my better self And enjoy my better self. And so I start realizing, wow, you know, you're still here. You have choices. Are you Mm going to be in the lower level of your existence or are you going to be in the higher level of your existence? Because if you want to be there for somebody else, you have to have that within yourself. Because like I teach my children, you can only give a person what you have. If I don't have Absolutely. love, nurturing, caring, Absolutely. trust, giving, spirituality, trust in God and faith, those things have to be real. It's not something that you say, it's something that you manifest when people come in your presence. And so I wasn't willing to give that up just to feel less than that. Because right. I wanted people that I loved and care about to feel something dynamic, powerful, loving, nurturing, and caring, and hopeful when they came in my presence. So I had to forgive myself because I cared too much for that little girl within me and my loved ones that are there for me. So that's when I realized it was important for me to move forward with something real. It couldn't be an ideal. It couldn't be a thought. It had to be the real energy of my being. So, I choose the best for myself and for those I care about.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And for those out here, Linda, who have dealt with molestation and going through the process of, as you say, you know, learning to um, forgive themselves through it and and just working themselves through the process, what would be, your words of encouragement to those out there who may still struggle with it every day. And I know you said earlier in the broadcast that, you know, there are moments, you know, that you still think about it. And so how do you get through that? How do you push through that?
0: One of the realities that I feel is very important that you realize is that is just one aspect of yourself. Usually, that is your beginning, but it never has to be your ending, and that there are so many of us out there who have survived this experience that it's not just survival. They go into living because they choose to. See, at a certain right. point in this journey, we didn't have those choices, so we suffered because we didn't have those choices, but we can choose to not suffer anymore because we can give us ourselves, not just us, give ourselves something that no one else has given us, and that is the best self that we can present and know that God made us for a reason. He had us survive it for a reason to help the ones that haven't come to this realization to know that that's not the only place for them to live. So it's like, It's like... Don't stay a victim. You choose to be a victim. You have to understand why are you choosing this over being victorious? What are you Mm -hmm. getting out of? Because sometimes people use their past to justify no progress. You can't use Mm. pain to not progress. You use pain to move forward and prove that it has no power over your life and that you care about God's people is a really – connecting journey that we have to exist here for. We're here not just for ourselves. We're here for each other. And so you want to have something that somebody can use because you see what's going on in the world today. You want to be able to offer love, nurturing, faith, and hope. You don't want to be a contributor to this darkness that's trying to infest this whole world. You want to be a light. You want to choose that. you got to be conscious of your choices. It's critical that you're conscious of your choices and move with them and know that it's to the benefit of those you care about that you rise to these places.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And for you, um, in this book, um, A Charge of an Angel, which is an awesome title, uh, how did you come about actually creating um, or getting the idea for the title?
0: I am fascinated with that title also. My publisher, <laughs> um, After Storm Publishing, Sherelle Golden Love, uh-huh. she came up with that title because what had happened before, this it was a trilogy back eight years ago, and it was literally stolen from me, literally oh, stolen. Wow. And mm. when she read it, she said, we have to bring this back because it's going to help so many people. And so one day I get an email. She said, charge of an angel. And I said, oh, my God, she's right, because it's about that purity moment in life. It's about the attack on that individual soul because their angelic nature has a purpose. And it's like, you know, people don't want to deal with good and evil, but something is trying to hold you back from bringing forth this light to be there for your loved ones and God's people. And so it's very challenging to step up out of that darkness and go into the light because you care. And when you can do it, it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding to make that difference because you have chosen to make that difference.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely.
3: And through this book, um, you show the journey. Um, of the, the the ladies in this book, and so and I know at the beginning uh, you talked about how you know you had seen previous movies uh, about um, how one deals with molestation, and so when someone picks up Charge of an Angel and they read it um, at the end, what do you what do you want them to be able to take away from this book?
0: Most importantly, that. Everybody has a beginning. Everybody is uniquely designed. Everybody has a suffering point in life, but yet something is moving them forward. They're headed somewhere, even though they may not know it yet, because, like, as they continue the series, they will see how these souls unfold right before their eyes, how their beginning took them to their current moment, when you get to the third book and see how, even though you don't see God, God was there all alone. He draws you to people to communicate with, to get you to the next place. And it also shows the survival of even, like I say, domestic violence. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Another thing, it also, I wanted people to understand Sexuality It's so important to me that people understand. Because if you read the book, you will see that it becomes conflicting of your sexuality as far as homosexuality. Right, right. right. Because somebody, right. somebody embraces you other than sexually. See, people think it's so sexually that bonds people to question their sexuality. But somebody could have been there for them when they was at their lowest and encouraged them and nurtured them. That they they gravitate towards that sex, and so in the book, as you read it, you'll start seeing, wow, this could have been what happened that made them question their sexuality. What made people question and turn from God? I mean, it deals with all those different mentality issues and sibling rivalry. It was a lot of that going on in there too. It's like. People were against each other because they were tired of not understanding the things in life that the parents were supposed to teach them. And so when you see these kids going through this suffering and still here and still moving forward, you're going to be encouraged to keep going no matter what you have experienced.
2: Right.
3: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And with this awesome
3: book, um, as I stated at the beginning, this is a part of um, your awesome series that you have created. And so um, what's coming our way next uh, from the uh, Love and Redemption series? And the
0: thing about it is you make it through that first book, the next two books, you think <laughs> that book was interesting. You watch these kids, they grow up and they step out into the world. One of wow. them joined the Army. They joined the Army. Wow. And wow, the things that they come to learn about themselves and other people, hmm. They thought yes. they had dysfunction at home. Wait till you see what goes on in the military. <laughs> it's just, so it's so
3: just it's, awesome. It's, it's a lot in store for these next, for these right. next
0: books. But then you the see how they be. handle it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and God is always in the background, and you will see that too, how he comes just in time to keep you from not going into the ground. He's not going to let Absolutely. you go.
3: Absolutely, 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 and and Linda, I am always thrilled when you come through the show because you always bring um, a book that touches on a very uh, significant and passionate um, subject as well. Now, as I said last time, we p- talked about uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, and this time, bringing more light. Um, to molestation and what goes on through the journey of these young ladies who experience uh, these issues and so forth, and as well as sharing your own story. I believe that, you know, that's what we need. We need more of uh, individuals like you to shed light on these subject matters. So because there's someone, uh, and, and it's probably guaranteed there's someone who's listening to this broadcast this evening. Who has dealt with this very thing, you know, and they and they've been going and tussling with it for time and time and time, and so a lot of times our message sets others free and allows them to, you know, share their stories with others and and have that talk, uh, as you say, with their younger self and work their way through. So I am definitely thankful for you always bringing something enlightening over here to the show and also uh, putting it in books and and bringing it to the readers. I I think that is phenomenal.
0: Thank you. Absolutely. I just just know that Aya Van, I can never pronounce her name, but she wrote a quote that sums it up so well. She tells you to tell your story in a very powerful way Yeah, and it will heal you as well as heal others, and that's that's a dominating force with me because it's not just about me. It's about other people who have walked the path that I walk, and they don't know the language of their suffering. I can tell them the language and, you know, bond them to the victory of knowing that the best has yet to come.
3: Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely.
0: And, of course, for the
3: folks out here listening, Linda, tell them where they can go to purchase uh, this book, but also um, your other books as well.
0: Uh, They went to Amazon. um, They'll find my author page there, and my books are there. And they're on my website, which is lindadianewatley.com.
3: Awesome, 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 awesome. And if uh, you guys definitely make sure that you uh, go and check out the book, I'll definitely post the link um, on the Beautiful Butterfly Show page um, as well, you guys, so you guys can uh, go and check out these awesome books uh, written um, by Linda. And, of course, we definitely appreciate you coming on the show tonight, and uh, always great uh, to talk with you. And uh you have any um, final words
0: or, or thoughts or encouragement you want to say to the listeners out here? I just want them to know that I really appreciate you, and it's always a blessing to be on your show.
3: Thank you. I definitely appreciate that. And uh, as well, make sure you uh, feel free to come back on here again soon. We're going to have to definitely talk about uh, those other books uh, apart um, <laughs> of this series because I know they're going to be just as great as well. And so once again, uh, Linda, thank you so much for coming on here. And I'll definitely be talking with you soon, and I hope you have a great rest of your evening. And you too. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, you guys. That's Arthur. Linda D. Watley, you guys, author of Charge of an Angel. She's also the author of The Truth Will Set You Free and Soldier with a Backpack, Living and Dying simultaneously. Uh, you can head over to Amazon dot com and Search for Linda N. Watley, you guys, or you can go to her official website, you guys, dot Linda With one N. Uh, Watley with two T's. <laughs> dot com and purchase her awesome books as well. And I'm telling you, you guys, are going to be in store for a treat. Uh, Linda never disappoints uh, with her books. She always targets. Uh, great great subjects in a marvelous way so please go out and support her folks and so we're going to take a little break you guys we're going to come back and uh we are going to let you know what's in store uh for next week stay tuned to right here on the beautiful butterfly show
2: Alone in a path, can't see my way from my tears. No sign of light in the darkest of night. Can't find my face on my tears But a feel small boys speaks to me and calm the cover of my raging sea.
3: And coming up, folks, next week on the Beautiful Butterfly Show on Tuesday, we're going to welcome author Timmy Carpenter. She's going to be joining us uh, next Tuesday, you guys, at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And she's going to be coming on, you guys, and we're going to be talking about Her awesome uh, new book as well that she's going to be bringing us, and I can't wait uh, because it's another dynamic author bringing us another great read. She's bringing us her book entitled Life Speaks, A Journey to Recognizing Divine Providence in Your Life. And so she's going to come on, so get ready for a powerful pack. Man, awesome show on Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. And then, man, oh, we got even something better coming up on Thursday. Uh, We got authors and poets, two of my favorite people um, that have rocked with me, oh, since the beginning of the Beautiful Butterfly Show, and I'm talking about no other than Nisi Berry and Shambay Sekou, you guys, and they're going to come on, and they're going to be talking about their book entitled, Dust. And this is a collaboration between these two and just them journaling back and forth to each other and talking about life and experiences and emotions. And I'm telling you, it's going to be marvelous. So if you want to hear two dynamic poets, writers, speakers, I'm going to tell you to come over here on Thursday at, uh, excuse me, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're doing it a little later. We've got a few folks on the West Coast. But so we're gonna be coming on Thursday at seven PM Eastern Standard Time, four PM Pacific. So join us, you guys. Uh next week's going to be spectacular. And I hope that you'll come and join us and support our guests as always. And I appreciate you guys so much. Uh, for just supporting the show And all that you do um, And the network in itself And uh, with that said folks We're going to get out of here You guys have a fantastic rest of your evening and weekend I am B fly, And I'll see you next time
1: The Beautiful Butterfly Show Would like to thank you for tuning in Please be sure to follow us On Instagram That's at Instagram.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. Also on Facebook.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. And last but certainly not least, you can also catch up with us on Twitter. That's at Twitter.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. And thank you once again for tuning in on behalf of the Vibration Radio
3: Purchase necessary. BTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.